I don't know if I want to get up here after all that. I tell you what, if that there doesn't make you enjoy worshiping the Lord, you in big trouble, amen? I tell you, it's good to be here with y'all again tonight. I'm humbled every time Dennis asks me to do this for him. You know, a lot of times I don't get asked back. <laughs> but y'all have been so good to me and my wife, and we're so thankful to be able to come here with y'all, not just to preach, but to come and be ministered to. And I thank God for this place. It means a lot to us. Tonight, if you got your Bible, I want to invite you to turn them to a very familiar passage of Scripture. It comes out of Isaiah chapter 40. But I want to look a couple verses above and see what made that verse needful for Israel. If you're turning there with me, Isaiah chapter 40. Israel was at a time when they were very weak and frail. They had wandered from God. They were in rampant, deep idolatry. They had turned from the God who had called them out of Israel, made himself known to them, chose them as his own people. But they had chosen other things. And any time you get away from God, you can get ready. You're going to get weak. You're going to get frail. And you're going to fall. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God, none of us would have the ability to get here tonight. You're not here because you're good. You're here because he's been good to you. Can I get an amen? And when you walk away from God, you walk away from all that he wants to do in your life. And he had such a plan for Israel. But Israel finds themselves complaining. You ever done that? Where are you at, God? Am I hidden from your sight? Do you not see me and what I'm going through? You ever been there? Let's just get judgment day honest this night. Have you ever whined to God? Have you ever complained? Have you ever blamed things? on God because he wouldn't fix it. That's where Israel is. If you look at the first verse we're going to read, look at what, through the pen of Isaiah, God brings this charge against his people Israel. And in verse 27 it says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? You ever felt like God's passed you over? You've forgotten about you? God, do you not see what I'm going through? Have you just passed me over and forgot about me? God, don't you see? That's where Israel's at. You know, Isaiah speaking for God says, Have you not heard? Have you not known? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And the good news is that he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Then he shows them again, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, and I'm liking it up to the end. Then he says, but those who wait on the Lord, and I didn't like that. How about you? Because if there's one thing I don't like to do, it's wait. And if you're honest, you don't either. You're an American. You've been corrupted by sin and the flesh and the American society and culture we live in beat. If there's anything we hate to do in America, it's wait. We got fast food, fast internet, and we're more impatient than we've ever been. We got instant grits, instant milk, instant everything else. Instant, instant is all we want. But I'm here to tell you tonight, God does not do very many things in an instant. See, God's got your whole life to work. And if there's one thing I've learned about God, he'll make you learn to wait. Amen. 
I'm so impatient, I'm going to tell this on myself. When I first got married, I learned the hard way. My wife is very slow, and I'm very fast. I'm always in a hurry, and she's always taking her time. And I'm always early to go, and she's always late. And I would get out in the car. Man, you ever done this? Say, I'm going to go warm the car up. I'll be waiting on you. You hurry up. <laughs> and I'd go out there. I'd turn the radio on, listen to three or four songs. That wasn't that bad. Before long, I'd float home. And boy, when she got in the car, you'd wish you waited. <laughs> Amen. So I am not one who likes to wait. So I can identify with Israel here. And listen what God says, but those who do wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If there's something we all need to do is learn how to wait on the Lord. And I want to talk to us a little while about that tonight. And the first thing I want to talk to us, I look at this, is the attitude needed for waiting on the Lord. Because I didn't actually have it. And I'm still trying to get it. But the Lord is teaching me how to have it. But the attitude needed to wait on the Lord, I want to look at the attitude needed towards self. And I want to use this text. You see, the text tells us that without God, we are weak and we are frail and we are utterly going to fall. He tells us that even the youth are going to fail. Even the young people. And you know, our bodies and our life, I believe we're created in the image of God. Amen? And God is a three-part God. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm one of those that believes in a three-part man. You can believe in a two-part man if you want to, but I believe that we're created in the image of God. Paul said that he's going to sanctify us completely, body, soul, and spirit in Thessalonians 5. And I believe that there is a distinct difference in each one of those parts. And I want to talk to him just for a minute. The attitude needed towards self is, first of all, we need to understand that we are physical, emotional and spiritual beings would you agree with me and the physical part is manifested in our body that's this old thing that's wearing out <laughs> i look in the mirror and i say what happened to me you do too tell the truth and then there's the emotional part of us that's manifested in the soul the soul is where your attitude comes out that's where your personality is displayed that's the inner you that's the you that only you and jesus know when you lay down at night together amen the soul, the part that's going to live forever. And then there's the spiritual aspect of men. And I hate to tell you this, but every one of them has been corrupted and tainted by sin. This old body is cursed, and it's dying daily. You're not going to die from cancer. You're not going to die from heart attack. Ultimately, what's going to kill you is sin. That's what causes it. And the Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 1, remember now your Creator in the days of thy youth, before the difficult days come. And I know some of you can tell me about those probably. And the years draw nigh when you say, I have no pleasure in them. I'm 55 and things that used to I take for granted that worked automatically now don't work even when I try to focus on it and make it work. You ever had that happen? This thing don't work as good as it used to, our bodies. And if you get older, you get. Some old deacon told me one day it gets worse, preacher. You know what, anybody here that's been on this earth for a long time, long enough to get gray-headed, knows that this body wears out. It's frail, it's weak. And because this body's weak, emotionally we're affected. You see, the Bible tells us that we can grow weary to the point we lose heart. That we can grow weary to the point that we, 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 we give up even. 
Matter of fact, David prayed this, and if there was ever a warrior for the Lord, it was David. But David said this. He said, wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, wait upon the Lord. David knew what it was like for his heart to be troubled. Paul, what a, to me, next to Jesus, he's super Christian, amen? He's the greatest Christian I think you can find in the Bible. But Paul wrote this. He said, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And guys, anyone, you, you don't know how hard it is to do good till you try. <laughs> you don't know how hard it is not to sin till you make up your mind, I don't want to sin. And friends, I'm telling you, you get weary trying to do the things God wants us to do. And the Bible tells us, in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. So we can lose heart. We can get tired. We can get so weak to the point that we give up. And then the spiritual aspect of us, we're not where we were created to be. Thank God for the redemption that's restored us and gave us back the potential to be the creatures that God created us to be. He gave us the intellectual ability and the awareness and the knowledge that we can have a, a relationship with the holy God. No other creature on earth has that. That's why we have more potential than any other creature on earth to give him glory. But we are the only ones who have fallen short of his glory in all sin. And because of that, even though we want to do good, our spirit man says this is the way to go. This is what not to do. And Paul himself, one of the greatest Christians that will ever be on the earth, in my opinion, says this, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. You ever been there, brothers and sisters? Then he says, for the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That comes from Romans 7. So physically, emotionally, and spiritually, we're all a train. <laughs> we are all weak, frail, and we are all going to eventually fall. You see, the attitude that we need to look at is the attitude really that we have when we look at our strength. We don't really have it. Because <laughs> everything we have comes from God. And the breath that keeps us going and everything that God's doing in our life is what gives us the grace to have that strength. That's why Paul says, brethren, finally stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. You can't stand in your own might. You won't stand long in your own strength. And if you don't learn to wait on the Lord, spend time with the Lord, look into him, trusting him, depending and relying on him, you will fail more than you will succeed in your spiritual walk with Jesus. And friends, I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. I tell God, why did you say wait? Why didn't you just say go to church every Sunday, Lord? I can handle that. But anyway, he said, he said, wait on the Lord. You see, the Bible says this. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. So everything that we need, the grace that is sufficient to help us when we are weak so that we can be strong comes from Jesus. As a matter of fact, y'all all know the story. Most of us have been in church when Paul had the thorn. 
He asked God three times to get rid of this thing, get it out of my life. He said, I'm not going to do it, Paul. He said, I'm going to leave it there. He said, because when you were weak, you were strong. Matter of fact, listen how he worded it. Paul said to me, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so, guys, listen. We ought to thank God for the things that show us and make us understand and realize how weak we are because until you realize how weak you are, you'll never realize how strong he is. It's when you don't have anywhere else to go, when you can't do anything else but wait, that you learn how awesome he is. Because we're fixers. We're manipulators. We're always trying to work the circumstances and the consequences to make them come out the way we want. But God has a way of corralling us up, putting us where there's nowhere else to go but him. And he makes us have to wait on him sometimes. You see, the attitude that we need to have towards God is important, though, as the attitude toward ourselves. You know, the attitude that we need to have towards God is that God knows and cares about us. I love that, how it starts out. He said, is my way hidden from the Lord? Is my just claim passed over by my God? The New American Standard says, the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. Friends, I want to tell you something. The God that we serve is the God that Isaiah started this text out with. He says, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden? Have you not heard? Have you not seen the everlasting God? That's the eternal God that will never end. The Alpha and the Omega, the God who is Lord. He says, the everlasting God, the Lord. There is no higher. And then listen to what he says about our God. He says, the creator of the ends of the earth. If he had the power to speak everything into existence, that's the power I need. How about you? If he can breathe and create me from dirt and breathe life into me, I don't know about you, but when I get to the point where the doctor can't fix me, I know who can. Amen? And the bad problem is we go to every doctor we can find. We take everything else we can find. Not that there's nothing wrong with that. And we don't come to God till the last thing. But you know what? Sometimes you will find your place where there's nothing you can do but wait on God. And friends, the attitude that we need to have towards God is that he cares for us. Look at what he told them in verse 41, chapter 41. Look at verse 10. I just want you to see this. He's speaking through Isaiah still. And in verse 10 he says, Fear not, for I am with you. I don't know about you. That's good news. Amen. God's with you. If he's not with you, he, it's not your fault. His fault It's your fault. And he says right there in verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I like this. Yes, I will help you. Someone said the greatest prayer ever prayed is, Help me, Jesus. Amen? <laughs> and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. That's a promise from God. So he's worth waiting on. You know, we'll wait on a lot of things, but there's nothing more valuable than waiting on God because he cares for you. As a matter of fact, Peter said in chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And Jesus said this. He said, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, for you are of much more value than many sparrows. If he does not let a sparrow fall, without him knowing about it. Certainly, he knows every troubled heart in this room intimately. 
every detail of every life. There's not one thing going on in this room tonight that our God is hidden from. And there's not anything he can't do. So we must ask ourselves, have we been waiting? Have we been looking? Or have we been looking somewhere else? You see, because I want to talk to us now about the actions of waiting on God. Because that's where I fail. Waiting on God means waiting on God. Now, there's praying involved. There's scripture reading involved. There's spending time in his presence somewhere in your closet involved. But ultimately, waiting on God is not you trying to fix the problem or change the person or change your circumstances by manipulation and stuff like I see people do and myself do. When you wait on God, you're to the place where all you can do is wait on God. And I want to tell you a story about an old man. He's known to be with the Lord. He was one of my deacons at my previous church. His name was Algene Haywood. Brother Algene stood about this high. He had everything known wrong to man happened to him. He had that stuff with your feet. Um, what was it called? He, yeah, and he couldn't walk good anymore. And he had all kind of other things, and he got where he couldn't hardly come to church. He was on a walker. And finally, Miss Sue got him a mule. Now, when I say a mule, I ain't talking about a Texas mule that you saddle. I'm talking about one you put gas in. Kawasaki mule, a Japanese mule. And he'd get in that thing and ride all over Why Not. Now, if you've ever been to Why Not, Why Not is where they invented and came up with that. Do you hear me now? Do you hear me now? And, and so he'd get on that red mule and he'd take out. And he was married to Miss Sue. Miss Sue tell him, Al Jean, let me know when you leave or where are you going. Sue, he was a cut. Well, he got off on that red mule one day and took out right before dark. <laughs> Run out of gas. Here he is with a walker in the back. He said he's sitting out in the middle of the road. And where the road he lived on, on one end, there was three houses. And it went about five miles and there wasn't another house till it came out on another road. Well, he was in that stretch there and ain't nobody goes through that road unless they live there. <laughs> or unless they're real lost. So he's sitting there and he said, he got to thinking. He tried to get his phone to work, wouldn't work. Said he cranked it, it cranked, he put it in gear and it was killed. So he said he'd done everything he knew to do. He said, so he said, well, I'm going to have to get out of the thing and see if I can walk. He said he got out and got the walker and said, getting the walker out showed him he was stuck. So he just sat there. He waited. He waited. He said he tried to make that phone work. He prayed for it. He said he thought bad things about it. He even thought about throwing it down. But he said it wouldn't pick up no matter what he did. So he ultimately would just wait. Miss Sue finally figured, I better go look for him. She said after all them years, she'd never seen Algene so happy to see her. <laughs> and so she went telling this around the church. So we told him, Brother Algene, you don't need to do that no more. You make sure you got gas in there. Within a month, he did it again on a pipeline. And if it wasn't for Kyle Rutledge who went down in there looking for him, he'd probably still be sitting there. And so we bought him a gas can, and we put, do not use unless you run out of gas, and we put it in the back of his mule. You know what? Some of us are out of gas tonight. Some of us are sitting somewhere stranded, and the mule won't crank. And you ain't got enough energy to get back where you need to be. And you're just stuck in life. You ever been there? Well, guess what? You're going to be like Brother Algene if you wait on God. Because you can try to blame it on people. You can try to manipulate it. You can try to figure out a way to change your circumstances. But that ain't waiting on God. 
Waiting on God is just saying, God, this is it. I'm waiting on you, and you're the only one that I'm going to trust. All my hope is in you, Father. I'm not looking for any other thing or any other body. I'm to the place where I'm tired of trying all that. And I certainly ain't trusting myself. Lord, I'm waiting on you. I'm tired. I'm give out. Lord, I don't have another step in I'm to the end of the road. You ever been there? I hate getting there, but boy, when you get there, God sure does show out. Amen? That's when you find out what he can do. Some of you might be there right now, and you might not be. See, I got this sermon because I've been. This sermon was for Mark. I just figured tonight I'd give it to you. But listen what the Bible says about the actions toward God. Proverbs 20, 22 says, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver. I don't know about you, but it's a temptation as a preacher not to want to pay evil. Because <laughs> there's some mean people in the church. I'm talking people. You, I got I, I got a lot. I had much less heartbreak in the bar room than I have in the church house. I'm here to tell you. I got scars from the bar room, but next Friday they say, Cup, I don't know what got into me. Come on, let me buy you a beer. Man, we make up. Church, they get mad. They mad that Jesus comes back. <laughs> You'd be broke. Oh, Lord, how can I fix it? But, 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 man, I've wanted to take things in my own hands. They've been people, I said, Lord, if you let me get a stick, go in that back Sunday school room, I believe I could change his attitude. But I need to shut up. God said, his attitude ain't what we're working on, son. It's yours. Listen what Isaiah said. Isaiah in chapter 8, verse 17 said, And I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in it. Jacob said, Lord, hid his face from my nation, from my people, from my church, but I'm still hoping in him. He ain't blessing America, but I'm still waiting for him to bless me. How about you? Because he don't have to bless America to bless us if we learn how to wait on him. Psalm 27, 13, David said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. See, waiting is just waiting. That's all it is. Isaiah 26, boy, we love this verse. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusted. Trust in the Lord forever for Yahweh the Lord is everlasting strength. So man, I want to tell you, in the morning you'll be tempted to try to Watch something on TV. Oprah can't help it. That other crazy doctor, he can't fix it. One of them don't do nothing but hunt crazy people to let them fight. She's been watching him. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I'm playing, ma'am. I know. They got some crazy stuff on that television. But you know what? You need to turn that thing off. You need to get alone in a quiet place. You need to say, Lord, I ain't getting up. I've come to wait. And I'm going to be back in the morning. And I'm going to be here tonight. And I'm going to wait till something changes. And I'm going to give you glory for it. But Lord, I need you. I'm desperate. That's what we got to do. You see, basically what waiting on the Lord is, is Hebrews 12 too, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And if you ever get a glance of His glory, if you ever get in His presence enough to get a glimpse of Him, 
you won't be the same when you leave. What we need more than anything else is the glory of God to be shown to us in a new, fresh manifestation that we personally experience in our lives. You see, that's the action needed to wait on God. And when we have the right attitude and the right actions, now I want to talk about the actions that God chose toward us. Look at it with us in the text. It says in verse 29 that he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. And even though the youth shall faint and grow weary and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord, listen to what he says, this is God, this is his action back to us, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God is willing to do that. And you know, when I looked at that, and I'm going to get a drink of water right here. But when I looked at that, and I got to seeing that, thinking, aren't you glad that God didn't just say it? He gives you, if you'll meditate on it, word pictures. And Jesus was a master of teaching parables where he gives us earthly things to show us spiritual things. And for a long time there, I just kind of focused on the run and not being weary and walking and not faint. But in my office, I, I got it in my, my I, I call it my man room now. I got me a, one of the bedrooms where I just got all my stuff in there where I sit with the Lord in the morning. I got my deer head, and my guns, and my Bible, my study chair. And that's where I sit, and that's where me and the Lord talk. And I got that picture up there in between two deer. And I was in my office looking at that one day when God was working in my heart with this, and I got some eagles, and it says freedom on it. These big eagles are soaring. I don't know about you, but I've been around a little while, and I've seen some things. And God uses the things that he shows us and allows us to experience to teach us. And I began to think about that. And he said, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. I'd look at them pictures. So I started looking at other eagle pictures. And about that time, it was spring. And how many of you ever put out hummingbird babies? About that time, how many of you like watching the hummingbird? I'm so glad that God didn't say that we fly like hummingbirds. Although hummingbirds are an amazing bird. Man, we used to sit out there, me and my wife, we had so many, man, they'd make you dizzy. Boy, they flying around. They remind me of a bunch of Baptists. They got enough food for all of them, but they won't share. They're going to fight to the death. Man, I was just watching one all morning make you need a Valium. Used to be that. I'm playing. But man, they, they just make me nervous being around them. So I got to checking them out, studying about them. Listen to this. A hummingbird's wings beats 50 to 200 flaps per second, depending on the direction of flight. An average human hummingbird's heart rate is more than 1,200 beats per minute. Did you hear that? 1,200 beats per minute. A human's average heart rate is 60 or 100. 1,200. Now, listen. I got to looking at it, and aerodynamically, it is scientifically impossible for a hummingbird to fly. <laughs> That's why he's got a... You are watching. Man, I used to sit on the back porch and I mean, I drank my coffee and they just cracked me up. But I ain't lying. 
I wouldn't want to be no hummingbird. And I'm so glad God didn't say that we found out like hummingbirds because we'd all need help. And then there's another bird that I, I, I'm fond of, a wild turkey, big old guy. Man, I, I started deer hunting. I ain't a turkey hunter because I'm a crappie fisherman. And in the spring, you crappie hunt fish. You don't hunt turkeys. But I don't like turkeys. They just eat up all your deer corn. But in Mississippi, them things was everywhere. And I'd never encountered one in a while. And one evening, boy, right about dusk, I was sitting in my stand. And, man, them things were coming through the woods. And, man, it sounded like a helicopter. Man, I about jumped out of my tree. I said, what in the world is that, man? And, them things was roosting. It was a bunch of the boy. I said, what in the world? It was a little while later I seen one pitch off one morning. And man, I'm going to tell you something. You might look at that bird on the ground and think, that big old dumb looking thing. But I want to tell you something. You just move. He can get out of Dodge quick. And he can fly through them big pine trees, but it takes him a lot of effort to get I mean, he and I got to looking like that. And as much as I like a turkey, I like it. I'd rather be a turkey than a hummingbird. But I'm so glad God didn't say we'd mount up like a wild turkey. Because a wild turkey, man, he's got to work hard. He's got to strain. He's got to flap like crazy just to get on. Kind of like some of us getting out of bed in the morning, you know. It's an ordeal. But you know what? An eagle. I worked for nine years on towboats on the Mississippi River. I've been from... Baton Rouge, New Orleans, all the way on the upper to St. Louis. I mean, on the lower and then on the upper Mississippi, all the way to St. Paul, Minnesota, in a towboat. I've been on the Ohio River, all the way up the Ohio River, all the way to um, Galpest Lock on the Kenoy River in West Virginia. And there's a lot of beautiful things you'll see. But one of the things I would never seen. See, I grew up down there right outside of New Orleans, and I never seen a, a, a bald eagle. Now, I've seen them here already. They're around. But I'd never seen one. I was a grown man. We was way up there on that upper, way up there by Prairie de Shane, Wisconsin. And they got big old cliffs, big bluffs up there on that river. It don't look like the river down here. And them big old eagles were sitting there. And so we called a boat store. They had one of them little, remember them little cameras you buy and you just take them and then they you give it to them and they develop. I'm out there on the end of them toe taking pictures of them eagles. I bring them home to Diane. They look like a little black speck with a white dot. But man out there, all them Yankees was laughing at me. That boy's crazy. He's seen them all the time. I'm going to tell you something about that wild eagle. He'd be up on that bluff. He'd be sitting like that. When he got ready to go, he'd just jump. And he'd go all the way across the river. No strain, no effort. He's just floating on the breath of his And every now and then he'll. I don't want my strength to be self-motivated. I want it to come from above. I want it to be provided by God. And I believe that's why God said we'll mount up like eagles. Thank God we ain't going to mount up like a hummingbird. Thank God we ain't going to mount up like a wild turkey. Thank God he said we're going to mount up like eagles. We're going to walk and we're not going to faint. We're not going to grow weary because when you wait on God, Tonight, I just want to speak to the person who didn't even know if he was going to make it here. Lord, I'm about over. I can't.
handle another day. And I'm going to encourage you to just truly say, Lord, I thank you. You know, tonight there might be some people as we're fixing to close. And you've been trying to save yourself. You've been trying to do some things like quit stuff that you shouldn't do. And that's commendable, but it won't save you. And you might be trying to do some things that you ought to do, like go to church, pray a little more, read your Bible more, but all religion will ever do is wear you out. The harder you try to be religious enough to get righteous, the more wore out you get. Because none of us can be righteous on our own ability. The only righteousness that can ever give you peace, the only righteousness that can ever give you rest, the only righteousness that provides the strength to live a godly life comes from the imputed righteousness of Jesus. And the only way you get it is by faith. Trust and just waiting on God. I'm waiting to go to heaven one day, not because of what I'm doing, but because of what he did over 2,000 years ago on an old rugged cross when he died. And if I was waiting to get there based on my, I would be hopeless. But because of him, I'm filled with hope tonight. I'm filled with expectation of a better day. Because I'm going to heaven. Y'all going with me? But guys, sometimes down here, we need God today. And I could sit here and share the rest of this night about stories where God has showed up when I failed, when I had fallen, when I was weak, and when I had give up, when I gave out, he showed up. <laughs> and when I couldn't get up, he got, I have many a Monday, I throwed in the towel, God picked it up and chunked it back, said, get up, boy, we ain't through. And God is able to keep you going. I used to think I got to earn it. I got to try hard. And certainly there's blessings for obedience and true genuine faith will be manifested by works amen but guys listen works come from faith and when we put our faith and trust in god he gives us the strength the ability he empowers us to live the life that he wants us to live tonight maybe you've been trying to do it on your own and god has woke you up i just want to invite you tonight i'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads right now and if you've been trying to do it on your own not for my sake but just for God's because we're not hidden but just to show God you mean business would you shake your hand at God say God I'm waiting on you I'm looking to you praise God people all over the place thank God for his help and now for the person who who, who may be trying you want to know that you are saved and, and you're trying to figure it out we are saved by grace through faith and faith is just trusting the grace that God's willing to share and he will give you the grace to save us tonight if you will just confess that I am weak that I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God that I'm not righteous that I'm not good but Lord you're good and if you'll confess that and repent of that and turn to him and trust him and say, Lord, I'm going to wait, he will help you. So I'm going to ask, would there be anybody tonight 
while everyone's not looking that would need to do that make that all important decision to receive Jesus as your Savior would anybody I don't want to miss anyone well praise the Lord I'm preaching to God's people tonight well praise Jesus well I'm just going to say a prayer with you and if this sounds like what you need God to do just pray it with me Father sometimes I get so tired Lord, I confess that many times I want to give up. Lord, it's hard sometimes to keep going in the right direction. So, Father, I'm looking to you tonight to touch me and restore me, to renew in me a steadfast spirit. And, Father, whatever might be in me that doesn't belong there, I'm asking you to help me to, to remove it, cleanse me. And I'm praying, God, that you would give me strength tonight that you would help me to be able to mount up like eagles, that I might walk and not grow weary, that I might run and not faint, that I might finish this race well, I might run the course. And at the end, I might hear you say, oh God, well done, my good and faithful servant. Father, that's our heart. So we're looking to you to help us. And God, I pray tonight that you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's go fly like eagles. Amen. What a great word tonight.